Do you have an idea for a podcast, but you don't know where to start? Maybe you're overwhelmed by all the tech or you're convinced nobody will actually listen to you. Well, I'm Shauna Game. After nine and a half years as a professional podcaster, at this show, everyone's talking money. And 25 million downloads later, let me tell you the secret to a profitable podcast. It is building a solid foundation, your podcast roadmap before you launch. That's why I created the Podcaster Class, a fast-paced group cohort podcasting for profit eight-week style NBA program. The Podcaster Class is immersive, comprehensive, and insanely motivational. If you want to create a podcast, DIYing a launch is just not the way to go. In the Podcaster Class, you'll get the tools, tips, and strategies to create a podcast that resonates with listeners and one you can be proud of. Get this. 90% of podcasters never make it to episode three. That's 2.8 million podcasters who just quit. So to be a top podcaster, you only need to publish 21 episodes, but you got to make them good. So in the podcaster class, I'm taking the mystery out of how to create, launch, and profit from your podcast so you can create a top 1% podcast just like this one. The May cohort is now open for enrollment. Classes start May 22nd. There are only 15 spots open. You are going to learn podcasting with me and 14 other amazing people. You can learn all the details at thepodcasterclass.com. Use code podcast when you sign up for $100 off. That's thepodcasterclass.com. I'm going to be real with you. Identity theft is on the rise, and you do not want to wake up one morning and discover that your bank account has been emptied or you're overdue on credit cards you never even applied for. We talk about this often on the podcast, but you don't realize how much of your information is available to scammers on the internet and how susceptible you and your family are to identity theft and fraud. I know, it's scary, but now you can get your data removed with Delete Me. That's why I personally choose Delete Me. Delete Me is a subscription service that removes your personal information from the largest people search databases on the web and in the process helps prevent potential ID theft doxing, and phishing scams. I just started using Delete Me and I got my regular personalized privacy report. (laughs) I was shocked what they found and removed. It was pages of information about me that I did not want online. Here's how it works. You sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. I cannot tell you how relieved I felt to have Delete Me. And you know, it's also a great service for your parents or grandparents to help protect them from identity theft. Delete Me is not just a one-time service. Delete Me is always working for you, constantly monitoring and removing the personal information you do not want on the internet. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special price for my listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use promo code etm at checkout. The only way you get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and enter code etm at checkout. J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E dot com slash etm. Go to joindeleteme.com slash etm and use code etm for 20% off. Hey, I'm Shauna Compton Game. This is Millennial Money, and today we have a Millennial Music Chat with Austin Lucas.
Millennial Money with Shauna Compton Gaines. It will expand your brain. Hey there, and welcome to another edition of Millennial Money Lifestyle Thursday. Austin Lucas is one of those fiercely independent singer-songwriters that is always searching to connect with his fan base. Lucas, he's lived all over the world, toured many places, and instead of opting to live in L.A. or New York or even Nashville, he ended up moving back to his hometown of Bloomington, Indiana, where he found his songwriting open up in ways he never expected. We featured Austin recently on an episode about crowdfunding his next album. So check out our full interview with singer-songwriter Austin Lucas as we chat about his Midwest mentality in his music, the state of country music, and his MMA training. So you're currently uh, raising money uh, through a crowdfunding campaign for your next album, uh, tentatively entitled Immortal Americans, uh, with plans for a 28 release. Uh, Can you describe your writing process uh, for the new album? Uh, Yeah. um, I moved back home uh, from Nashville, back to Indiana, and I basically got reacquainted with my hometown. It had been... A bit since I'd lived here. Uh, I've I moved away from Bloomington, and not to say that I didn't come back for periods of time, but I moved away when I was 18 years old. I, I moved away two weeks out of high school, and uh, in that time, I lived, you know, in Dayton, Ohio, and I lived in California three different times. I lived in Portland, Oregon, a couple times, and I lived in Florida. I lived in the Czech Republic and Prague for five years. You know, I lived in Nashville. Um, and, uh, you know, this time coming back home really felt like coming back home, you know, um, it didn't feel like a stopover, uh, like a, a way station the way that, uh, it had before, you know, I think, you know, the saying you can never go home, I don't think is exactly true. You know, I don't, there's a little bit, always been a lot of speculation about what that statement means, but, um, you know, if you take it at face value, I don't think that it's really true. You can. It just depends on whether or not you can accept what your home is, you know, and how it's changed or, you know, how you've changed since the last time you were there. And uh, I realized how much my town had changed since uh, I was a boy and how much I had changed as well. Um, and I just started really absorbing these, um, the beauty of it and the problems, uh, you know, the social and economic problems going on here in the city that I live in this idyllic Southern Indiana town that, you know, also has a a very big problem with, uh, you know, drugs, opiates, you know, um, heroin and, and as well as, you know, prescription pills. And, uh, you know, there's a lot going on here and, I just, it really affected me, and I, I started writing, and uh, this record came out, you know, uh, and it's in some ways still coming out. I mean, I'm recording in May, but 
you know, I am still writing right now. And, you know, most of the themes are really hometown themes and really particular to this place that I live and where I grew up. Yeah. Well, you also talked about uh, your Midwest uh, mentality, uh, blending that with country and Americana music. How did you develop that um, when you first started out as a singer? Uh, could you please repeat the question? I'm sorry, part of it got cut off. So that's okay. Uh, so you talk about that uh, blending your Midwest mentality with country and Americana music. How did you develop that when you first started out as a singer? I have no idea, man. <laughs> I just uh, showed up and started picking a guitar. I mean, you know, I, I grew up, uh, my dad is a, a folk and bluegrass musician, and uh, so I grew up around him, and uh, as a teenager, I uh, got really heavily into the punk scene and, uh, you know, got into hardcore and just uh, kind of was in that world for a really long time. And, and all along that time, I mean, I was still interested in, you know, um, these forms of music that are much more, you know, what we call folk or, you know, country. And uh, I just, you know, I, I slowly shifted gears from writing like, you know, uh, heavier riffs and stuff like that to writing songs that were melody and that were stories where I was singing, you know, rather than shouting. And, you know, I, I don't know when the turning point was. I mean, I started writing songs like quote unquote songs. I'm making air quotes with my fingers right now in like 2000, yeah. you know, like that was when I started, but I was still was playing in hardcore bands and stuff. Um, but it kind of, that was like this side thing that I did in my room that I didn't really want anybody to hear, you know, that I was like sort of scared that, you know, my friends would hear and make fun of or something like that. Right, right. Um, until like 2003 when I, you know, uh, well, I guess that was actually, when was it? It was 2001. I recorded my first like demo and like I gave it to a few friends. And then in 2003, I recorded another set of demos and I moved to the Czech Republic and like, you know, I sort of, started coming out, you know what I mean? Like, and playing more shows by myself, you know, like rather than only playing with a band and, and playing aggressive music, it just, it just sort of slowly happened, you know? And at first I started doing it because I realized that I completely ruined my vocal cords singing in hardcore bands and singing metal and stuff like that. Um, and I used to sing with my family and I used to sing choir and stuff like that when I was a kid. Um, and I wanted to get my voice back, you know? And so first I was just writing songs in my room to like kind of retrain my voice, Mm. you know? And then slowly but surely I was playing them out, you know? And, uh, I don't know, I guess this whole thing started as me just wanting to be able to sing again after I'd completely destroyed my voice. And now I'm here. (laughs) Now you're here. Uh, well, has traveling kind of, does that kind of, you know, play into a lot of your songwriting as well to living in so many different places? I would imagine. Yes. You know, it's, this is the thing. It's like, I've lived a very rich life. There's no question. I've lived all over the place. I've traveled all over the world. Uh, I've known a lot of different kinds of people and, you know, I've partied hard and I've, you know, uh, you know, uh, been sober and I've been all sorts of things and it affects me. I mean, everything that I've done affects my songwriting and affects the way that I view the world. And, you know, every single songwriter 
you know, their life experience is going to affect the way that they write songs because theirs is particular to them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why, like, you know, all the great songwriters in the world, none of them sound like each other. You know, they all do something that's different. Right. And it's because they're all individual people. Their life experiences are totally different. Their voice is different, you know. And, you know, who you are and how you grew up is going to influence your voice. It's going to have a direct influence on your voice. Right. The weather is getting warmer. I'm so excited. And it is time to say goodbye to all those jackets and sweaters and hello to the shorts and T-shirts. I wanted to update my summer workout wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune. Luckily, I found Quince and I am in love. Quince is your go-to place from everything from premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless, 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. The best part of all, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Okay, I bought the dreamiest pair of workout leggings and a bright pink workout top to match. Honestly, ladies, I gotta tell you, these leggings you need. The price cannot be beat, and I feel like a million bucks wearing this cozy workout friendly outfit. I've worn it for like five days straight. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash etm for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e dot com slash etm to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash etm. When it comes to financial advice, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I was paying for vacations all wrong. <laughs> I was missing out on miles. I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? I don't know, maybe that fancy hotel upgrade that you have always been dreaming about. Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Okay, friend, I want to know, what are your money goals this year? Are you saving to buy a house or maybe a wedding or a dream vacation to somewhere tropical? If that's you, please, please take me with you. Or maybe you want to just grow your emergency fund because let's be real, life is expensive. I want to make sure you reach your goals. So you need Monarch. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best app for growing your savings. Monarch is the top-rated, all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. You can create custom budgets, track progress towards your financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com etm. Here's what I love. Monarch is the most customizable budgeting app. You can change the layout of your dashboard. You can go between light and dark mode. You can create custom budgets and notifications. 
You can set up all of these automatic rules for your transactions and notifications and so much more. Monarch is obsessed with constantly improving their product. Get this. They release updates every two weeks, and they even allow customers to submit suggestions, vote on requested features, and view the product roadmap. This, my friend, is totally original. Plus, they will never sell your data to third party or show you ads. I think that's really important. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it is the top-rated personal finance app. And now, listeners of this show get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash etm. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash etm for your extended 30-day free trial. Well, what were some of the, the, the music you were listening to as a kid in Bloomington, Indiana, uh, that affected you that you said, you know, I want to do this uh, for a living? Well, I mean, you know, my dad is a professional musician. And I sort of grew up um, performing. So, you know, I, you know, I was a fat kid. Uh, I was teased a lot uh, in middle school and high school. I had bullies like a lot of dorky kids did. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and, you know, one of the only things that anybody ever praised me on was, like, were musical endeavors, you know? Um, and so, you know, when... When you have, you know, when you're not great at sports, like when you're not like a super physical kid, and also when you're not like incredibly intelligent, like I wasn't a great student, you know, like I only ever really cared about music, you know, like my whole entire life, the only thing that ever really interested me was music. And it was also the only thing that anybody ever like praised me for. Maybe those two things are related to each other, probably, you know. Um, but I, I guess. You know, I never thought to myself, like, this is what I want to do. It was just the thing I did, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, slowly but surely, and it took years, it just sort of became a career, you know, and it became a thing that, like, you know, music, I used to work so that I could play music, you know, I used to go to a job so that I could save money so that I could go on tour, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and, and eventually one day, which is about 10 years ago, Touring became the thing that I did to make a living, and I didn't work a job anymore. And like when I came home from tour, I I was booking tours and I was writing songs and I was recording, and then I was going on tour and making more money, you know. Like and then so I could come home and work on something so that I could you know go back out on tour again. So you know it just slowly shifted. It wasn't like I didn't wake up one morning and go, "This is what I was going to do." It was like there was never any other option for me. Right. You know, and I just did. Right. You know, my dad is a family business. You know? Right. That's what I was going to say. It seems like that's what it sort of seems like. You kind of like, oh, why not do that? Of course, I'm going to do that. Yeah. I mean, there, there. I think that you know, if I had had other other interests, if I had had other things that I was naturally predisposed to being good at, you know, um, if I my dad had been a you know a cobbler and made right. shoes, maybe I would have become a shoemaker. Maybe I would have you know, shown a tremendous predisposition towards being great at making shoes, but that didn't happen. You know, my whole life, you know, music was the thing. And, you know, my dad didn't put a guitar in my hand and say, here, this is going to make you money. You know what I mean? Like that never happened. In fact, he maybe even wanted to shield me from the music industry, but there was like no way to avoid it. I mean, you know, I was born singing. My mom says that, that like my first screams when I came out of her were, you know what I mean? Like my first 
you know, formations of song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because, <laughs> right. but, you know, yeah. So I guess, you know, yeah, there wasn't a decision. It was never a choice. That was just the thing I was going to do. Right. And I did. Well, what, what is the difference between being a singer-songwriter artist that you want to be and the reality, essentially, of being a small business owner of your career? Oh, man. <laughs> you care to, uh, to uh, narrow down that question a little bit more? So that well, I, I mean, I, about, just about sort of taking charge of your career, you know. And, and, I mean, you got the artist side, you got the singer-songwriter side, but then you, you, there's the, the reality of business side of, and, and, like, how you're doing the, the crowdfunding and stuff like that, you know. That's sort of what you seem to need to be these days is, is your own small business owner, right? Yeah, there's no question. Um, you know, and there are other small business owners that are in uh, my field who are much better small business owners, you know, uh, I mean, I, you know, you, you see it, there's, there's a lot of different, uh, what I I would call working class, you know, musicians out there. Like it's like, or middle-class musicians, I think is like the best, you know, Mm -hmm. way to describe it. People who go out there and they work, you know, and I have a lot of friends, myself included that I consider to be, middle-class working musicians, you know, where they're constantly working, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm not as great at the business side of it. You know, I'm much better at the creation, you know, um, there are a lot of guys out there and girls who uh, find great managers who are able to put together great business plans, you know, um, and they can go really far with their businesses you know, um, I'm, I would say a mediocre businessman at best, (laughs) right. You know, I can keep my ship afloat, uh, very well. Um, and you know, I can make small amounts of progress, uh, as a person who, you know, like, you know, chips away at that thing all the time and is working on it. But, you know, my greatest, uh, skill set, uh, comes in the form of the creation of Mm. songs, you know? Um, and, you know, there's there are a lot of uh, small business uh, musicians out there who are really great at their business and not as great at you know creating. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there are a lot of guys out there that are sort of good at both. Um, I say guys, and there's a lot of women yeah. out there that <laughs> right. are doing the same thing. There's a lot of people out there that yeah. are you know uh, working on this thing. Uh, you know, I would fall probably on the side where I'm a bit better creative and like my business sense is definitely lower you know Mm. what i mean Mm. uh so you know i but i i definitely uh do well enough for myself i'm very very proud of the achievements that i've made and and the fan base that i've been able to accumulate you know uh over the course of my recording career you know um so yeah i mean being how you balance that you know i don't know what the best way to do it, mm. you know, how the best, I'm sorry, I'm getting, I'm stumbling. <laughs> no, no, right no, no, it's fine. Um, I, uh, what I do know is that, you know, I'm better at one than I am at the other. Yeah. And I prefer one to the other. I mean, I don't love the business side. Yeah. The, you know, I mean, I know like, you know, this podcast is millennial money, you know, like you guys talk a lot about business and ideas and stuff. I listen to your podcast. Mm. Um, um, and you know, uh, I'm not a businessman. Mm. I have some good ideas. Um, I'm very adept at keeping my my show going on the road. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but like, you know, I'm not especially shrewd 
when it comes to business. I write songs, yeah. you know, and I sing them good. You know <laughs> what I mean? And I and I like being amongst my fans. You know, I like I like driving. You know, mm. uh, I like seeing the world. Mm. You know, and those are things that I'm really really good at. You know, but the business model, you know, for me is just like elbow grease. It's like I'm like a shark. Right. You know, like right. I'm just going forward. I'm creating. I'm getting on the road. You know, and like getting in front of people. And I just, you know, sometimes I let too much of the other stuff slide. But to me, it's not as important as the forward motion of creation. Right. Well, speaking of your songwriting, uh, I love the opening track of your last album, Unbroken Hearts, on, and your last album, Between the Moon and Midwest. Talk about that song a little bit and what it means to you. Um, you know, I, I guess the thing about that song is that uh, it, it was like a self-fulfilling prophecy, you know. Uh, I wrote it as a character. You know, a lot of people don't – I don't know if you realize this, but that record between the moon and the Midwest is a concept album about three best friends who grew up together in southern Indiana yeah. and who kind of go their own ways and then come back together and sort of ruin each other's lives. And, um, you know, that particular song was about one of the characters, you know, which is this character named Richard, who's sort of a, uh, a failed singer songwriter, you know, country musician, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, and he, you know, he's out there and he's just sucking it and, and nobody really cares. Mm. Uh, and when I wrote the song, I was like, yeah, you know, this isn't like me at all. I mean, I, at the time I was on a great record label. I was on New West Records and, uh, you know, I had a publishing deal and things were looking real good for all Austin Lucas. Um, <clears throat> and so I recorded that record and and I put it out and I gave it – well, I didn't put it out yet. I gave it to the record label and they loved it and they were going to throw all their weight behind it. Mm. And then uh, a new president walked in and he said – I don't hear a single. And I said, there are four pick one. And he said, goodbye. Mm. So, you know, uh, I was put in the position to either, uh, play ball or Mm. compromise, you know, compromise my art and play ball Mm -hmm. or, you know, say, no, this is my body of work. And I chose, you know, the latter. I said, Mm. no, it's finished. This is my art. Take it or leave it. And they left it, you know? So then I ended up in, uh, a very messy uh, sort of battle to get my uh, record back uh, once they'd shelved it. And it was sort of nasty and not very much fun. And all of a sudden that song became me. Mm -hmm. And it was very, it went from being a song that I, I had some connection to. I, I, I felt some of those things, Um, but it went from being something that was a story to my life. And so then it, really hit my heart and so now every time i sing it it's like what's inside of me is being just shot out into the crowd mm-hmm. you know right. and that's maybe that's for the best you know maybe it's better that i don't sing things that that don't really that i don't really mean mm-hmm. you know when i wrote it i certainly didn't mean it the way that i mean it now right you know right hi i'm karina bemisterfer host of Morning Cup of Murder, your daily true crime podcast. Yes, you heard me right. Daily true crime. Every day, Morning Cup of Murder tells you a straightforward, short-form story about murder, true crime, cold cases, disappearances, serial killers, cults, and more. 
And I do that all in under 15 minutes. With over three years of stories and over 20 million downloads, the Morning Cup of Murder podcast has become a staple of so many people's daily routines. So why not add it to yours? Stream Morning Cup of Murder everywhere you listen to podcasts. And remember, stay safe. Want to know the number one money question I'm asked? It's how to get started investing without being overwhelmed. So if you're asking yourself the same question, then you have to check out the Investing for Beginners podcast. The hosts, Dave and Andrew, they break down investment terms and strategies in a way you can finally understand. I love that they're making investing accessible and they have an entire podcast dedicated to helping you invest better. Even if you're not ready to start investing, they explain the stock market and financial updates so you can really understand what is being said on the news. If you're ready to learn more about investing, I'd recommend you start with two of my favorite episodes. Listener Q&A, how do you start investing with a thousand bucks, where they explain how you get started right away, and back to basics of building your portfolio, where they explain how to build a portfolio from scratch. The Investing for Beginners podcast is a great way to start expanding your relationship with money. Find Investing for Beginners podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, what do you what do you think about uh, the state of country music uh, these days with so much pop and dance and even EDM uh, influencing artists uh, these days? I don't care. Yeah. I mean, I, pop music is pop music, yeah. man. You know, uh, good music, you know, we remember the cream. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. the cream rises to the top. Right. Uh, <clears throat> Generally speaking, the radio airwaves have predominantly been dominated by, you know, lesser, you know, artists, Mm -hmm. you know, if you can even call them artists, you know, mostly it's always been controlled by people who didn't really have any idea, you know, that are just trying to make money. Mm -hmm. You know, there was a time when, when labels would invest money into real artists in the hope that eventually they would, you know, become a big artist and that they would make a lot of money off of them. That's not really what happens anymore. And it hasn't really happened for a while. Um, and you know, that doesn't, that's unfortunate, but it doesn't really affect me, you know, cause when I look at, um, the trajectory of my career, yeah, I've had some heartaches. Yes. I've had some things that have been really a bummer and I wish that they had gone different way, you know, but the truth is, is that I come from the DIY punk scene mm-hmm. and, you know, like uh, the fact that I've got a career, the fact that I bought a house and like, <laughs> you know, I'm like living off of my art is like way more than I ever could have hoped for. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm not a pop singer, yeah. you know, I mean, I could have probably gone the route of being a pop singer. I could have moved to Nashville years ago. Mm-hmm. I could have worked and I could have, you know, like done all the things that you need to do to have some sort of a pop career, you know, like in the industry, you know, Mm uh, I never really wanted that. You know, I always just wanted to be an indie artist. I always just, you know, wanted to have some people know who I am, cool people, you know what I mean? Like I never wanted to like, you know, be selling out big stadiums and stuff like that. That was not the life that I wanted, you know? And as well, I've always been a searcher for underground and independent music and stuff. Mm. And so when, you know, people talk about how Nashville's betrayed us and how like all this stuff, you know, 
how how music row is you know a crock of shit or whatever mm. you know i look at it and i'm like well yeah but like when wasn't it like when did <laughs> exactly. they really you know like you know yeah it's like yeah okay i get it like what you're saying to me is that you're too lazy to go out and find new music on your own yeah. you know what i mean like you're used to being able to just turn the dial on the radio on yeah. you know what i mean yeah put it to your favorite you know radio station that's a country music radio station and like, and be like, Oh cool. Who's this new guy named Tim McGraw? I guess I'll check him out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. and you know, obviously Tim McGraw's not a new guy, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, yeah. that's, you're basically saying to me that if you can't discover something new by sticking your finger out, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And pushing the radio in your car, yeah. Yeah. then you know, like, then things are wrong with the world. Well, you know what? You know, good things take more effort than that. <laughs> you know? And if you're not willing to, like, put in the legwork to find good music because there's so much of it out there, I guarantee you that, yeah. then you don't deserve to hear it. Right, right. You and know, it's your fault. Yeah, and I think you know, I think that's right? what's it, it's so great that there's so many other outlets these days uh, to find music, too. Definitely. Absolutely. And, you know, now more than ever, it's easier for you to find something awesome. Right. You know what I mean? Like, what is the point of complaining? The point is in complaining, though. And that's the thing that I don't get because it's like, you know, you're really just complaining to complain. And I get it. People like to complain. People like to have things to complain about. This is another thing for you to be salty over mm-hmm. and to have snarky, you know, like posts on your Facebook about. Yeah. I get it. That's fine. But it's not for me. And I don't, you know, it doesn't really affect me. When I say, you know, what's my opinion on that stuff? I say it's pop music. It's got a place. That place is far removed from where I live. Right. You know, like, right. and I'm fine with it. Right. Well, you you mentioned before about uh, you know kind of connecting with your fans uh, and playing uh, live. What what are some of the things that you love about playing live, uh, and when you do actually connect with your fans? I mean, I love to sing. You know, my favorite thing in the world is to sing, and uh, you know, I really love it when I start playing and I close my eyes. And I don't look up once. I sing a whole song and I don't hear a word, you know what I mean, Mm -hmm. coming from the crowd. And then I play the last note and I've played the whole song, you know, like without any distraction, just completely playing the whole song, lost in that song. And then I play the last note and I open my eyes and those people are sitting there and they start applauding, you know, and whistling. And I know that they were hearing what I was saying and what I was singing. Right. You know, like that right there is like the, for me, the biggest like uh, benefit of what I do. It's the, it's the rush that I wait for. It's my favorite moment. And I have a lot of those moments in my life and I'm very, very grateful for those moments. Awesome. Well, one last question I have for you. So you live in, in the beautiful uh, Bloomington, Indiana. What happened to the Indiana Hoosiers basketball team this year, and do you think they're going to get a new coach next year? I have no idea. <laughs> um, I am a casual sports fan. Yeah. Um, I grew up with the Hoosiers. Uh, I haven't paid a lick of attention <laughs> 
since Bobby Knight was the coach, not because <laughs> right. I love Bobby Knight, yeah, yeah. Uh, but because you know that was the, you know, the heyday. When I was young, yeah. Yeah. I really cared. I mean, I really, really, really cared about the Hoosiers, and I still sort of care about the Hoosiers. I still sort of care about the Pacers yeah. and the Colts. <laughs> right, right. You know, like, but you know, I am a, uh, I'm, I'm a music guy. You know, like I'm, I'm rooting for a big win. You know, from you know, uh, John Moreland's new record this year. You know what I mean? Right, like I was right. rooting for the big win for Sturgill Simpson mm, for right. country music. Of the, exactly. You know, exactly. Of the year, he got. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm thinking about the the teams that I care about are you know the people who are in the same you know fight that i'm in you know what i mean and the people that i know are good people doing well and that's what i'm paying attention to and and it's not that i don't like sports watching them you know what i mean like but mm-hmm. that's not the world that i live in i mean i do train i do um you know i mean i train a lot i do uh tie boxing mm-hmm. and you know some mma and stuff like that but i don't even watch fights <laughs> right, you know right i mean like i mean yeah. i'm you're talking to a dude who goes to his gym four times a week and then also trains almost every single day in his basement with a hundred pound bag. And like, I go to the gym and the guys are talking about the fight that happened that weekend. I, you know, I You're like, what? <laughs> completely dedicated to the sport and I don't pay attention to like, you know what I mean? Like what's going on with it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. So, uh, I just, you know, my brain doesn't care about sports yeah. the way that other people's brains do. And, and I totally appreciate that other people like them, you know, but it's just, you know, I, I'm a different, I'm a different dude. <laughs> than those dudes, right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's all there is to it. <laughs>